it's time for Watch and Learn, the show where we discuss the life lessons we learn from the movies we watch. Today, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Hey, hey, movie maniacs. My name is Sky, and I'm here with my brother, Dusty. Dusty, what is more terrifying to you? Being chased by, uh, let's see here, Jason Voorhees, um, or maybe the T-1000 from Terminator 2. I'm going to pick the third option, Hillary Clinton. Oh, no, Hillary! <laughs> she, she she has lots of people suicided, so I'm, I'm thinking that uh, I'd rather not have her. Yeah, that's in the news right now, huh? That she got uh, Epstein killed. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I don't know who knows if it's true or not, but yeah, she does. Um, one of my favorite jokes from Hot Shots Part Two was, it's your wife, Hillary Rodham Hussein. <laughs> do you remember that? I do. Oh, such a good joke, man. <laughs> oh, that's so good. But yeah, yeah so... Um, the, no, absolutely. Like Jason Voorhees, he's slow and seems like methodical. I think I'd rather not have the T-1000 come after me because super fast, super wicked smart can, yeah, yeah, just, there's, it's really amazing how they didn't die. And just totally relentless, right? Nothing can stop it. Um, but like, what did Arnold say in the, not Arnold, the T-800, he said his battery will last him like 150 years or something, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you can't be on the run that <laughs> that long from anything. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> So I am super excited that we got to do this show. I I really like, I, I mean, I, I remember when it first came out. It came out in 1991. Can you believe that? I know, such a long time ago, man. And I this is one of the first, I just absolutely loved this movie when it came out, you know? Yeah, so I, same here. I absolutely loved it when it first came out. Obviously, remembering uh, Terminator 1, and Terminator 1 was awesome. But then you have this one, and I do like movies that move from place to place, and they have like objectives, and then they go to a place, and then they kind of have to leave, and they go someplace else. And this movie definitely had that. They had uh, ups and downs, and the storyline was really thoughtful. What do you think, when you watched it first time, the very first time, Compared to now, what do you think your expectation, not expectations because you already knew, but like, was it better, worse, the same? What was your um, excitement level? Uh, I think it's, I think it's just, I mean, probably the very first time watching it in 1991 at the theater, me, you, mom and dad, I remember we all went to it and that was probably a higher excitement level, but just watching it now, I probably watched it last like 10 or 15 years ago. So it, it felt really good. And I watched it with the family. Um, and we totally, totally enjoyed it. And the entire movie holds up the characters, the story, the, the, the danger that they're involved in. Nothing feels old. Even the, like, even the old kind of style CG, you can see it now and how kind of bad it kind of looks, but it's still totally forgivable for, cause at the time it was cutting edge and, you know, our tastes, our minds, things need to get better and better for us to really accept the CG. But I'm still totally forgiving, and I think this movie holds up 100%. I agree. Now, what's interesting, is, like, the Avengers, what is the endgame? I think there was, like, mm -hmm. 2,380 shots that are all CG, or, you know, they have CG in them. This one maybe has, like, five. Or, you know, it's just basically when the... Um, uh, actually does uh the T1000 you know morphs or something like that and so the nowadays i don't know if they could do and actually i even heard that they're going to do a re reboot of all three like the first three uh terminators they're going to i heard about doing that but anyways um i'm thinking that 
anytime they're going to do any more movies, it's always going to be CG. They're not going to do, you know, try to try to make you understand like that there is is like technology going on, but try to use it in real life. You know, like when you did Lord of the Rings, you had the perspective changes and things like that. So you, they're still the same people. They're just far away. One person's close. One person's far away. So they look different sizes and all that sort of stuff. I just think now... And all the movies are really good, just heavily, heavily CG. Not saying it looks bad. It's just, I just noticed that. Yeah, I'm fine with a ton of CGI, but I know that there's a lot of filmmakers out there who they love the old style aspects of things and and they're just going to continue using real world explosions and false perspective like you were mentioning earlier because they think that it adds more... Mm, Ah, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the word is, but a lot of people like to make films that way. A lot of people shy away from making a lot of CG. I guess for something like you said, Endgame requires a ton of it because you're dealing with aliens and in space, and those kinds of sets and stuff would be too expensive to build. Like if you think about Endgame, they probably went to thirty different places with thirty different sets. I mean, that's a ton of money, right? Um, in construction costs and stuff. So I guess it depends on what you're doing, but I, I, I still enjoy a lot of movies that do not rely on CG, that rely on true uh, old school special effects, you know, and costuming and whatnot. Yeah, same here, definitely. Like um, it, it, when I look at um, T2 and Judgment Day, I thought it was really, really good. And then, like you said, you can notice, okay, like the way that he morphs from that blob into something else, it, it's like, okay, it could be better, obviously. But back then in 1991, it looked fantastic. And we just kind of took it for granted that, hey, this is just the way CGI or, you know, it would look in general. So we just kind of play with it, but or play on with it. And so as we're watching other movies that have CGI, we can see, we can look back at 1991 and say, oh, man, it's kind of... Uh, clunky a little bit a little not so great but it didn't detract that's what i really liked it didn't detract from the movie at all so when you were watching t2 what was your favorite scene because that's my first thought uh, when i watch this movie or when i think of this movie i always think of my favorite scene so what is yours it's the canal chase that's just so iconic Every time I think of T2, if I see a movie poster, that scene flashes through my head. If somebody mentions it, it flashes through my head. And it was just as fun watching it this time after they leave the mall, just just the canal chase. It is absolutely iconic, especially when you have the stunt writer for Arnold, who actually looks really, really close to Arnold. I mean, it looks really good, especially in slow motion. You know, jumps off that. I don't know if they actually had wires or something, which they probably did, but that looks phenomenal. Yeah, I remember seeing behind the scenes stuff and they did have like giant crane up above him to help him uh, control his landing or else he would have been crashing down hard. Well, man. yeah, all that weight coming down, like you could mm-hmm. see the truck that comes off of that overpass and lands the wheel on the, the it's it's right hand side or as you're booting at the left hand side, it literally the wheel axle breaks. And so he can't drive it anymore. And so they have to obviously get something else. But it looks super phenomenal. But something falling like metal and mechanical like that falling from that high, there's no way it's going to last after that. So yeah, you could tell that they had to but yeah, that whole chasing was so, so enjoyable. And so smart. I thought it was well, excuse me, I thought it was really well written. And I think that it was fun, fun to watch. For sure, man. Well executed. And one of the aspects I really liked about it was seeing Arnold with his shotgun spinning it to reload each time. That was super awesome. Yeah. I, it, and I remember watching it the first time and thinking, man, I want a gun like that. You could spin around your hand. And I was like, that's so cool. Yep. But that's the gun that he took off the first guy. Now, what did you think about the... Now, I'm going to get to my favorite scene in just a second. But 
What do you think about the pool scene, the pool pool hall scene? Because we first come from Terminator One, knowing Arnold's character, the T one hundred. I think that's what it was as being the bad Terminator. Now he's actually the good, but we don't know that until after he actually runs into John Connor. So what do you think about the pool hall scene? I, I really enjoyed it. I still had a lot of fun when they're, when they're going through all the dudes are looking at him like, who's this guy? All the women turn and look at him like, oh, hubba hubba, you know? Just a fun scene and good good action. And I like the fact that we get to see his perspective through his eyeballs once again, just like we saw in the first movie, of all the calculations that are going on. And he's looking at each biker, sizing them up, and finds the one with the perfect clothing. Um, I, I, I still really enjoy that scene. Yeah, definitely. Now, as I see Arnold walk in that door, it feels like that's his prime. Like that, he was, I wouldn't say the top of his career because he's had an amazing career and had more movies after that. But like physically and everything, not saying that, you know, being the uh, Mr. Universe and all that sort of stuff, but just in general, he is literally at his prime right here. What do you think? Probably really darn close to it. Yep. Yeah, he, it looks phenomenal. So I really, really like that scene. Uh, for some reason, it's just, it, it just kind of takes me um, in a, like when I watch it, I'm like, oh, I'm so engrossed. Like, what's going to happen? But my favorite scene, the one, when I think of T2, I think of the minigun that Arnold has up on top of the, the what, the third floor, second, third floor, shooting all the cops and blowing the rocket launch or the, uh, the grenade launcher um, into the cop cars. That is what I re- I literally remember that, like just him standing there as like big as ever, just uh, unloading the minigun. I thought that was phenomenal. You're right. That is iconic, really fun scene right there. And one of the aspects I like about that is you had kind of mentioned it earlier. You know, the story takes place in a lot of different locations. Our heroes are constantly moving around. And I like the fact that they were taking the fight, of course, to the robots, not or well, I guess to the robots in the future, but it's not like they were being pursued by the T-1000 and they went there to try to escape. And that whole scene of the movie going there with Miles Dyson, their goal was to stop, to prevent the future. You know, they were actually taking initiative in that because a lot of the Terminator, if you think back to the first movie, it's basically just Sarah Connor running from the Terminator with Kyle Reese's help the entire time. Their only goal was survive, survive, survive. In this movie, we're actually taking the fight to the robots and being proactive and Instead of reactive. So I like the entire scene, what led up to that scene. And then, of course, like you just mentioned, that minigun up on the roof. Oh, one of the things, when I first saw that minigun, when they pulled it out of the ground, what do you think that sucker weighs? 150 pounds? At least, at least 150 pounds. I mean, well, it takes yeah. a big buff dude to lift that sucker up. Well, for you sure. would definitely, I, I mean, it might be right around 100 to 150 pounds. I mean, it, it just seems like it's freaking heavy. Plus the ammo. I mean, the ammo alone, like if you're carrying that ammo, that's definitely going to be over 150 pounds. So, or at least all together. But um, yeah, you have the shoulder strap. So you're not just like literally holding it up. It's actually hanging so you can control a little better. But um, yeah, that uh, reminds me of another Arnold movie. What what movie am I thinking of? You are thinking of Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Which one? Predator. Predator. You have Jesse oh, Ventura yes. with the minigun and just unloading. And then uh, I can't remember the black dude's name. Um, uh, super good actor. I mean, he's really... I, I love him. Like, he was also in... Um, uh, commando. commando. Yeah, yeah. You know, he up, takes it up and unloads it. But yeah, so um, really, really fun to see the minigun. But yeah, that whole scene, and I love it. Like you just said, you change the way that the story, the arc is going from being running, running, running to let's go attack. And I love that aspect. For sure, man. It was really good. And one of the things... uh. Uh, just about that entire scene, I like the character of Miles Dyson and how he goes from 
uh, like Sarah Connor said, you know, men like you created the atom bomb and you've done this and you've done that. You scientists, you don't think about the future, what it could lead to. And I like how just basically seeing the Terminator, seeing his potential work from the future come back to him um, it is pretty interesting how he just changes opinions. And right then I got to quit. And then, no, we actually have to destroy this all of this. And I just like his part in the movie. I was kind of sh- uh, sad to see him die the way he did. But uh, I, I like the aspect of him to helping them out. Yeah, I thought so, too. And two thoughts come to mind. Number one, Jeffrey Goldblum, which we'll get to back in just a second. Number two, it took like when Arnold took off his um, jacket and started ripping off his arm with a knife and everything. I was like, what are you doing? Like, like why? But you know why? Because that's what it's going to take for uh, Miles Dyson to actually wake up and realize this is absolutely real and true. This this robot is sitting here talking to me and this is what's going to happen. So, and any rational person that is just trying to do good would be like Miles Dyson and say, you know what? You're absolutely right. We have to stop it. Any crazy person that's not like normal person, like, I don't care. I'm going to keep doing it because it, it, I can, I can fix it or whatever it might be. But going back to what I said, Jeffrey Goldblum, one of a, a great line in from Jeffrey Goldblum in Jurassic Park. Do you remember which one I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Go ahead. Which I one do. is it? I can't, I can't do it verbatim. You know it. So he basically says they, the, all the scientists didn't, or they, they basically kept thinking, can they, can they, can they, to create the dinosaurs, they never stopped to whether or not to think that they should. Like, should we actually create dinosaurs? You know, they never stopped to think that. And that's really what happens with science in general. And it's, I, it, even though it's in this movie and then also in this movie, it really plays out because, I mean, you never know. There's, you, you never know when you're creating something, the unintended side effects or unintended consequences because they're unintended and you can kind of maybe perceive it, but they, they're so, am, I wouldn't say ambitious, that's more of a negative word, but they, they want to do good. They want to progress. They want to um, do better for humanity, but they don't know or don't think that humanity can actually use that because we're sinful, because we're evil. You know, eventually it's going to come out that somebody's going to take whatever you make and use it for bad. Yeah. True that, and hindsight's always twenty twenty, and so I guess that's how uh, coming back from the future, telling Miles Dyson and showing him what's in store makes makes him see the see the truth in what he's doing right now. You know, do you think that she or Sarah Connor would have if Miles Dyson was all alone, didn't have his wife and kids there? Do you think she would have killed Miles Dyson? Uh, oh, totally, totally, she would have. That was, I mean, her whole idea. He, she, uh, I don't know. I guess she couldn't see the forest for the trees. I mean, uh, the Terminator gave her the name Miles Dyson. She didn't think further beyond that. Like, oh, this is the guy that did it all. Let's kill him. That'll end everything. But no, the research is still there. The prior parts from the other Terminator are still there. Someone's just going to pick up where he left off. And and uh, like I said, she didn't see the forest for the trees. Yeah. Now, do you remember, I got to jump to Terminator 3. It seems like Everything is completely wrapped up. It's a night, neat little bow where everything's gone. The T one thousand's gone. You have all the chips are gone. Like literally, all like hopefully, like all of the um, research is gone. They didn't have Google Drive to be able to back up everything to the cloud. So, do you remember how they picked up in part three? I don't even remember it. I cannot recall. I'd have to go back and watch it, but I think they said something about you didn't change the future, you just delayed it. And so Mm. Arnold came back again. But at the end of this movie, he has to, his arm gets caught in the gears and he has to break his arm off. Maybe that's where it came from. That arm was still there. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Because I don't recall him ever picking it up and 
throwing it into the molten lava, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. So what grade would you give this movie? Oh, this is an A. If you're an action fan, if you're an Arnold fan, if you're a sci- science fiction fan, uh, you've got to see this movie. There's nobody in the world that should not watch this movie. I completely agree. Even if you're just like, eh, I kind of like action or kind of like sci-fi, you absolutely. I give this an A+. Plus. I can watch this over and over. I'm like, once a year, I could go back and watch it. It's just that enjoyable. There's ups and downs. There's, there's storytelling. The only part, I, I guess the only thing that I really dislike is the whole um, hospital or uh, um, insane asylum place. Like that whole, all, every time I, it cuts to that, I'm like, I don't, I want to fast forward. That, uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that scene altogether. I do like, uh, you know, they got to bring Sarah Connor back into it. And I like the fact that she's uh, kept prisoner somewhere like it makes sense that she is separated from like physically separated from John Connor and that's why he's living with some adoptive parents or else the the story would be completely different because um, it, it makes sense that the Terminator comes back to protect John becomes friends with John and then that's how you get back in good with Sarah Connor as opposed to him trying to befriend, befriend them both at the same time um, so I, I like the storytelling aspect of it but yeah I'm I'm never a fan of psych wards. Maybe they just it's some place I would never want to be to go to visit to be a, imprisoned within. So I'm not a big fan of that scene either. But it just adds to the overall story and Sarah Connor's arc as a character. What you're not a fan of Shady Acres? That's like one of the no. best ones. I mean, seriously, dude. Or Arkham Asylum? <laughs> well, Arkham Asylum's a little more crazy, but I like Shady Acres. You'll have Ace Ventura running around. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But, Doing his uh, rewind. You know, let's see that in instant replay. Let's see One of the that best scenes in an instant comedy replay. movie ever. Yes. Um, so I think the storyline is good. I like the storyline with her being in the ins- asylum, but there was just way too much of it and of her being in there. I know they're trying to build up suspense and all that sort of stuff like that one scene where she's all strapped down and the guy licks her i'm less like oh come on like that i literally could do without that like that whole part was just not necessary um i do understand you can see how she's trying to get out and all that sort of stuff but it's just there was just too much of that but that's just my own personal opinion i i would definitely choose shady acres that seems like a great place this place seems kind of you know uh you know lock yourself up and all that sort of but um, yeah, so that was just one part of the movie that I was like, man, every single time I get to, I'm like, let's just fast forward to it or past it. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And it is cliche seeing, you know, psych ward abusers abusing their patients and stuff. That's a cliched part. But I think it was necessary so that we're kind of on Sarah Connor's side as she's trying to escape and beating them to a pulp and sticking the needle in the doctor's uh, neck and stuff. So I think that's why they put that in there. Um and also, I really like the fact that they brought that psychiatrist, whatever his name, Doctor, back from the first movie in the second. And he's actually in part three once again. Um, uh, so I, I like how that through line was there as well. Very, very cool. Yeah, I like when they bring back old actors or older, you know, from the from the it, it just brings a storyline. It keeps this storyline going, which helps you to remember. Oh, that's the like same guy. And but yep. yeah, I, I got to go back to the licking of the face thing. Who does that? That is just silly and sick. That guy should be in the psych ward. Yeah. For sure. And the fact that he's allowed to work there, if he's doing that kind of stuff, I mean, you know he was caught 20 times doing that with 20 other patients. I don't know why Dr. What's-His-Name allows that guy still there. Absolutely. So now, what would you say is my, um, what would be my prop? I think you could probably easily figure it out. Well, my guess is it's the minigun. 
It absolutely is the McGinnis gun, unless I could literally take that entire arsenal. You know, when he pulls back that, that plywood, <laughs> every literally everything inside there, I would want that entire arsenal. In fact, what I'm probably going to do, it, whenever my wife and I build a house, like if we move to Idaho or something, we build a house, I'm going to have a cinder block, not a hole, but inside the house, I'm going to have a cinder block um, room that is going to be my, it's like in the middle of the entire house, a cinder block room, and it's going to be an entire safe room. And so there's going to be a door on it. It's going to have concrete all around it and above it and all that sort of stuff. So that's what I want. That's a good idea. That'll protect you from tremors as well. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure, man. Nice. Well, my prop, I chose, a. a, there was two of them and I just had to go with the Terminator metallic arm in that glass case. I think that would be pretty cool in my household uh, up on a nice shelf. Dude, that is a great thought. Like the microchip's way too small, but the the one that um, John Connor, you know, pushes off the shelf and then crashes in actually having that in the glass just like that that's actually a really good i i'd almost prefer i know i take that back i'm gonna steal that i like that too because <laughs> you know a minigun is a minigun but that one if you see that in a glass um you know ca- uh, can case on your shelf everybody's gonna say oh that's terminator like not just yep. t2 but like that's terminator so absolutely that's the best one good good idea yep Cool, cool. And the second one was I liked his grenade launcher, not that gas canister launcher that rotated. That that was pretty cool looking too. But just his simple grenade launcher, uh, you know, one shot, boom, pop it open, put in a new grenade, close it, shoot again. That looked pretty cool on screen too. Yeah, it sure did. And what's interesting with the uh, the grenade launcher is. Yeah, as they're they're fighting and they're uh, you, he only uses that against the T one thousand at the very end, so you can see what actually happens, which is rather interesting. You know, I, I, you would think that he they would use that for him many many times or try to use it um, earlier, but with the suspense and then all of a sudden the shock and awe of it happening at the very end was very very cool. I agree with you there. Now I, love I was thinking about the very end scene of T. Two or sorry, T two and T one. They're in an industrial. Like they, for some reason, they go into some place that is industrial and just happenstance goes by it. What did you think about that? Oh, I I think it it goes into one of my lessons, but um, I think it's it's necessary. I mean, if you're trying to destroy a killer robotic or a, a killer robot that just is relentless, you've got to do that, especially one that uh, can just fend off bullets like that and heal itself, you know? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. But I meant more so how they just happened to go there. Like they didn't search it out. They just like, oh, here it is. We're already here. No. Yeah, I got you. I know what you're saying. But that that, that leads into my third lesson. I'll just get to it right now. Um, you always need to know your nearest metal smelting plant. You know? <laughs> Terminators, zombies, psycho hose beasts, they can all be destroyed by molten metal. Yeah, and I, I really like the T-1000. And at the time, this was cutting edge, the thought of, I mean, we were blown away, like liquid metal being the Terminator. And I, like, that just literally was um, groundbreaking as far as the storytelling, um, in my opinion. And so as we're watching it on screen, seeing all that happen, it was super amazing to see the T-1000 and him being able to morph and all that sort of stuff, but then actually how to kill him. You know, when you see him above, like, next to the me- the molten metal, like, oh, that's one way they can destroy him. Because you think that, or I literally thought when I was a kid, okay, he's frozen, blow him up. And they actually blow him up. But in blowing him up, they he comes back to life as soon as he defrosts. And you can tell he kind of glitches and everything because it's, it's a lot of wearing on him, which is rather interesting. But you could see the 
the, the like point A and point B, you know, liquid metal, melt it. Like that's that. And so, yes, find your nearest you know, melting, schmelting, whatever it's called, uh, <laughs> uh, place. So, yeah, I love that. Cool, cool. And and uh, a couple more things about the T-1000. I liked how in the very beginning, he pops up, you know, comes back in time just like the T-800. He's naked. And then he kills the cop, takes the cop's gun. And then they cut to him walking away already in uniform. And I like how they saved the whole morphine thing uh, for later on when he's fighting uh, Arnold in the mall first, you know. So it was pretty cool. But so they, they saved the morphine technology for later. In the movie, but in the trailers, I went back and rewatched the original trailer. You do get to see in the trailers that it is liquid metal, really, of some sort. Yeah, so they kind of spoil that uh. initially, um, which is which is a bummer for everybody, all of us back in 1991. And they also kind of spoil the fact that in the trailer that Arnold's a good guy now, that he's coming back to help them to save them as opposed to hunt them. That's horrible. Yeah, that's why we don't watch trailers anymore. <laughs> yep. But yeah, what like my wife and I were watching it together, and she's like, "Well, you know, how did his clothes change?" Like I'm like, "Well, that's whole is like he can change his clothes because that's what he does. Like he's not wearing clothes; he changes his." clothes she's oh like the sunglasses he's not just wearing those that's part of his yeah so she was like oh that makes sense yep 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 and i I think i thought it was a good reveal in the movie so back in 91 if you hadn't uh seen the trailers and that's going to be a pretty awesome thing and do you remember uh when we actually went to the theater with mom and dad to watch it i do i do I, i think i remember also one other tidbit it was like $4.25 to get into the theater. I thought, wow, that's a lot of money. Yeah, back in the day it was. But now that's a steal. It is a steal. I, I mean, <laughs> the cheapest I could pay is $5 at the two, you know, Taco Tuesday at the theater. For sure. <laughs> that's right on. Um, you know, what? after that movie, I, I, if I remember it, I think we were at the theater at Barstow and Blackstone. There yep. was an old Regal Theater back there. And afterwards, on the way out, I was like trying to emulate the T-1000. You know how he's constantly looking around like he's hunting for something and he has, you know, kind of a a resting bitch face on his face (laughs) at all times? That's what I was doing. As we were leaving theater, I was looking around at all the buildings like I was on the hunt for something. I was was emulating the T-1000. So you don't normally do that just in general? No, normally don't. And <laughs> that actually leads to my Monday morning quarterback is you you should not program your Terminators with resting bitches, right? <laughs> you want people to trust them, to let them into their home. So you should give them a soft looking face, like a friendly person. So that's my Monday morning quarterback. Oh, that's a great one. I love that. So now what's interesting is I'm not... See, I'm a hunter. I love hunting. We get meat for the family and we get to fill our freezer and it's just enjoyable to be out there with the boys. I love hunting. And but at the same time, it's not for the hunting factor because I have four kids and I have my wife and I just my brain, I go into the mode of where is a threat? Not like hunting, but like where is a threat? So I'm always looking around. And so in about a month or two ago, we went to New York City. Now, this is everywhere, but this to give you an example. I'm walking through New York City. I've been there one time before, but I have no clue exactly where and what and all that sort of stuff. And I know there's a lot more shady characters than like in, you know, Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix, Arizona definitely does have some shady characters, but you're probably going to have more per capita inside because there's more people. So 
as I'm walking down the streets, I am literally, my head is, I'm looking just like the Terminator. Now, I, or, you know, T-1000, but I'm not, you know, having that resting bitch face, but I'm also, I'm definitely looking around because I'm looking for threats because I have my wife and kids and I'm always on guard. And that's not just in New York City. That's literally everywhere we go. In fact, when I go into a restaurant, I think, hey, a T-1000 might come in, so I better have my back to the wall and be facing the door so I know when the T-1000 comes in. Absolutely. You got to you got to take a look at the uh, your neighbors around the restaurant, see who you could who it's okay to throw in the way of the T-1000 as you and your family escape. as well. <laughs> exactly. And think of like, <laughs> like a, a born identity when um, uh, Jason Bourne, he says, like, instinctively, I just look like, why do I know that that guy, you know, he's 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 fit and he can, you know, handle himself? Why do I know all the different exits? Why do I know how to kill somebody with that, you know, knife or, you know, that pan or something? And it's, uh, I'm not necessarily at all literally like that. But I'm always on the lookout for threats just because threats will come anywhere. Yep, totally. You're game planning, you know, exactly. in case anything happens, which is good. Yeah. So I want to say my first lesson is don't be stupid and fly the helicopter literally five feet away from the building. Helicopters are supposed to be up high and be far away so it won't have a T-1000 jump and grab you. Yep. That's right. Good, good life lesson right there. Keep those for all you helicopter pilots listening right now. <laughs> stay away. But that goes to like a, a lesson that we've constantly brought up when you're holding a gun and you can keep your distance, keep your distance, right? Yep, absolutely. And I learned that from Gone in 60 Seconds. Do you remember that movie? Yes, of course. Yeah, it's a great movie. We might. I mean, we, we, I'd like to do that on the show sometime. Wait, um, it's a great movie? I really like that movie. <laughs> oh, you didn't like it? It's fun. It's fun, but it's really, I don't know. I don't know if it holds up. I haven't seen it in years. Well, I, I enjoy the storytelling. Remember, it's like going from scene uh-huh. to scene or going place to destination. I like that, and this is what it was. Um, and fun cars and all that sort of stuff. Plus, you got Nicolas Cage in there, man. Yeah, I mean, you're that right. guy's phenomenal. But yep. uh, anyways, so... I was watching the uh, director's commentary, and as they were... Wow, you do love that movie. Yes, I do. (laughs) I know. And so this was, I don't know, at least 15 years ago. And so I was watching it, and they get to the scene where the helicopter, the police helicopter, is literally following Nicolas Cage. He's he's driving um, Eleanor, and he's driving Eleanor trying to get away, and the helicopter is literally like right on top of him. And the director says... This is literally something that they would never do. They're usually always extremely high, spotting from far away. That's not a car. They're not chasing behind them. And so this is something that is totally unrealistic, but it makes it much more cinematic. And I thought, and I always watch for that now because it was like, yeah, that's right. Because when I first watched it, I was like, dude, that's so real. The helicopter's after him. <laughs> and then when he said that, I was like, duh, awesome. So now I, I watch for that. And so when I saw the helicopter, literally like, Five feet away from the building, I was like, dude, that's just not real. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It is. And you're putting yourself in harm's way. And you can't really get a good view of everything that's going on. You know, when you keep your eye out or when, uh, when you stay back, like the director was saying, you get more of a view of everything going around that one car that you're chasing or that one building you're keeping an eye on. You yeah, know? think of Avenger 1 when Hawkeye, you know, uh, Furry's mad that he's far away. But no, he says, I could see better from afar. Well, absolutely. Yep. You could, like, you don't even have to turn your head. All you just move your eyes and you can literally see everything. So, yeah, that's my first lesson. Helicopters, pilots, don't be stupid. Don't fly so low next to a building where somebody can actually grab onto you. Yep, 
True dad, I love that lesson. Uh, my first lesson is don't let power go to your head. And this just came from seeing those psych ward abusers. You know, they have power over these prisoners. So they're abusing them, beating them, licking them, that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's terrible. You're just being a bad human being. But when Sarah Connor's trying to escape, she has no qualms with kicking your face in, you know? Absolutely. Okay, get, I'm going to have to give a, a quick little story. So I used to work at the Fresno County Sheriff's Office. And I had friends that were either deputies, those are the ones in the field, out actually, you know, patrolling and all that sort of stuff. Then I, there's also officers, officers for the sheriff that work inside of the jails. And a good friend of mine, his name's Lee. And he was talking to me about and telling me fun. He's a good storyteller, too. And the way he's telling me stories of things that go on the jail, I was like, oh, wow, this is so cool. But there's one specifically that is really, really good that I have to tell you. And that really, this one really changed his thought of how he needs to treat the inmates. And his end point is they're humans, too. I mean, they're really humans, too, even though they did something wrong to get in there. They're humans, too, and it also could come back to bite you. So this is really what happens. So when he's first working there, maybe one or two years, he's trying to you know make sure that people know that he's boss and all this stuff. And he's not a, not a small guy. He's maybe 5'10", 5'11", maybe 225, 250, all muscle. And so he's, and he's obviously got the nightstick and all that sort of stuff. And so he was controlling one cell block, which has maybe like 20 inmates or maybe 30 inmates in it. And so he's controlling one. And... They, the inmates would on the railing, they would wash and then hang up their clothing on the railing, but it's also cover for whatever they want to do behind that. So it's, you know, obscures their view. And so they were told over and over and over again, don't put your clothing up there. And so the guards or the the officers are told that, you know, if they do that, you need to go in and tell them to remove them and take them down. And so Lee, you know, being a newer guy and not really learn realizing that, hey, you know, could come and turn around and bite you. He just thought, I'm in the position. I can literally just do whatever I want. So he's, there's, there's two stories. So basically, it's a huge open room and a bunch of tables on the first floor and a couple sails on the bottom. But at the top are all the other um, uh, cells where all the inmates are. And so he goes, he sees them hanging up their clothes and he goes up there and he goes up the stairs. Remember, it's the second floor. So it's really, really high. He goes up the second floor and he gets in there, starts yelling, what are you doing with this? And he's grabbing everything off. You're not, you're not supposed to do the blah, blah, blah. And really starts chewing them all out and like you and mother effers and all that sort of stuff. And one quick pause, he says, if you don't cuss and he's not a big cusser, who doesn't want to be, but if you don't cuss in the jail, they don't understand you. Like they don't take you as authority. Anyways, he's cussing up a storm and this big black guy comes out. Hey Lee, what's your problem, man? And Lee's looking at him like, get back in your cell. Like he starts, you know, yelling at me. Like, you know, I'm in charge here, blah, blah, blah. He starts reaming him. And the big black guy goes, Oh, so it's like that, huh? And Lee's all, yeah, what's up? <laughs> so, and then the a couple other guys start coming out. And just this one big black guy, he and the big black guy start throwing down. And he's realizing as soon as it starts going south, when they, they start grabbing onto each other, he's like, I'm not in a good position. I'm all alone. Nobody's here with me. We're on the second floor. And this guy's huge. And there's a lot of other mates here. And so... They start um, uh, start fighting, 
and they roll down the stairs and then they get up and eventually they break it up and then Lee gets out and he's like, man, I'm so glad to be alive, <laughs> number one. Number two, that changed my perspective. Those guys, are they're human beings. You treat them with respect, even though they're bad, you treat them with respect, you'll get respect. Some people are jerks. But anyways, all that to say, I love your point and that's a huge story to, to emphasize your point that even though you're, you're in power over somebody, if you lord it over them, it's going to come back to bite you. Totally, totally. Yep. That's that's 100%. That's a good story too. Awesome. So I'm going to give you my second lesson. Literally, this is where I, I learned it. And and I never, I wasn't driving. I didn't drive before um, we watched this the very first time. But when I watched it the first time, I was like, whoa, that was stupid. Why'd you do that? So Arnold is driving the truck, um, uh, trying to get away from the, the T-1000 after, uh, you know, he, he the, the little... Um, yeah, anyways, he's driving the truck, and something bad happens, like the tire gets blown out or something, and he literally jerks the wheel, like jerks it as hard as he can, and then it rolls over. I was like, why did you do that? Just keep going straight. So, big lesson is never jerk the wheel when you're driving a car. That is absolutely true. Even on a, like, just any time, you know, I made a mistake once of jerking the wheel uh, going down a mountain uh, in the snow, I started to skid, my car started to turn one way, I jerked it the other way, and then I went to a full fishtail, like 360 degrees, you know. If there was a car oncoming, I would have, you know, potentially died from it. But yeah, never jerk that wheel. Try to stay calm. You're right. Absolutely. Nice, nice. So my uh, my second lesson is learn to pick locks. And Sarah Connor was able to bust out of her uh, cell with the paperclip, which is, you know, I guess it's doable. But I went on to Amazon.com and just, you know, did a little search for lock picks. And there's a ton of different lock picking uh, kits. And I'm thinking about picking one up. And they even come with uh, 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 seeable, not seeable, what's the word? The clear, like translucent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clear, transparent, transparent. locks. Yeah. So you can actually see what you're doing and see it work um, as you practice your lock picking. So I think I'll pick one up. I think you should. And what, what's mm-hmm. interesting is... As long as you know the mechanics of a lock and how they work, you can actually do it without even trying. Because basically, there, there are things called tumblers. And those five tumblers, they have to be a certain size and certain height in order for the lock to spin. Because if it's one's a little too high, it's blocking. Like The, the tumbler is a, a basically a, a metal piece that sticks up too high, and then it stops the key from turning and the lock from opening. So yeah, you can absolutely do that. Now, I'm not saying I've ever picked a lock before, but I've changed many locks. I've actually worked with tumblers, and I've tried to pick a lock, you know, like um, one of my own locks at my house. I've, I'm saying I've never picked somebody else's lock is what I'm trying to say. But yeah, you can absolutely do that, and it's it's actually a, a pretty good skill to have. Yep, I think so. So I, I might pick that up, maybe buy something for myself for Christmas. There you go. Okay, so my other lesson is have an arsenal and you never know when it's going to you're going to need it but you're going to be glad that you have it when you do yep true that so, just like sarah connor in her little desert cave right there absolutely and, and, and at any time usually have i personally have a couple thousand rounds of um 223, which is the AR-15, um, and plus other many other rifles um, actually use that caliber. Even hunting rifles, you can get in that caliber. Um, but I have 45 caliber, which is a pistol. Um, I have I, I have lots and lots of different ammo just because I don't know when it's going to happen. Plus, I live in America where we have the freedom to protect ourselves. And what's great is having the Second Amendment is the basically the only reason why we have any other amendments 
and any other, uh, like the Constitution, the only reason why we still have that is because of the Second Amendment, because we can protect ourselves from anybody, you know, either being the government trying to take it from us or change the laws, we can protect ourselves. So if we get rid of the Second Amendment, they can literally walk over every single one of our other amendments. So the only way we can have amendments or have laws is if we can protect ourselves from people who are trying to take over us. Like, go to China. They don't have the Second Amendment. They literally cannot do whatever they want. Or I mean, Meaning the government can do whatever they want. You go to North Korea, the government can do whatever they want because they have the guns. So whoever has the guns has the power. If the people have the guns, the people have the power. That's absolutely true. Good point right there. Uh, Well, I gave my third lesson. That was know your nearest metal smelting plant. So I think we covered all the lessons. Uh, Oh, what was your own Monday morning quarterback? So my Monday morning quarterback is to help the T-1000 to get John Connor so much easier I know he's on a mission, but if he was programmed with patience, that would have been so much better. Now, going after him at the mall, when he just met his parents, he already doesn't care about life. Why in the world does he not kill the parents and just take over as them? Wait till he comes home, because he doesn't come home. As soon as you... uh, Now, he doesn't know the T-100s going after him, so he's just going to wait at home. And so what's going to happen is you just wait there until maybe like the next morning, hey, he hasn't come home. Let me go after him now. So he should have just killed the parents, killed the dog because he was barking, and just waited there. You're absolutely, that's really interesting because you're from the future, 35 years in the future or whatever. You can kill him anywhere from now until, you know, actually Cyberdyne goes online. You you can kill him, kill him three years from now. You can watch him dog every one of his footsteps when he's at his uh, senior high school graduation. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that is so interesting. But, I mean, for cin- cinematic purposes, you've got to put that Terminator 2 on a mission, not stopping for anything else, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yep. Cool beans. So, uh, well, we covered our lessons. Anything else we forgot to mention? Nope, that's it. Oh, one last thing real quick. Um, of course, with every movie, I always take a look at Rotten Tomatoes, of course. This movie was a 93% for critics and a 94% for the audience. Oh, this my is goodness. one of those rare movies that just everybody across the board loves it. Wow, that is surprising. Oh, one other thing I want to bring up. Along with that, that's very surprising. Thinking of back then, what did you think about Sarah Connor now being this big buff, not big, but like, you know, just buff and lean um, chick? I thought it I thought it was really interesting. Uh, you Back then in 91, and maybe even kind of now, you really don't see that many women getting into that kind of shape, you know? Definitely not. And I remember either a director's commentary or she said something, but she wanted to impress Arnold because obviously Arnold in the first one, she, you know, she was a, a normal lady, didn't even like, you know, just look normal. Didn't look like somebody's just trying to cut weight and try to get buff and all that sort of stuff. And she wanted to impress Arnold. She said, hey, how about I do this? How about I get really buff and how, or, you know, I, I work out. I try to, you know, play the opposite of Arnold Schwarzenegger. And was it James Cameron said, sure, let's do it. That sounds great. Awesome, man. And she actually, she learned, she she looked like she really learned how to use a gun and operate, well, operate guns and stuff. She looked really confident. So she's probably one of the first females to really take action super seriously like this. And I think also 
with the action, but then also the director giving them um, direction on how to actually do it right. You know, actually getting people in there to, I'm just, I'm just assuming, I don't know if it's true, but yeah, she did not look like a newbie. You know, when you see people, like if you watch like the first Charlie's Angels, those girls have no clue how to hold a pistol. Yeah. There's like, who holds it straight up in the air? Like that is just as you're looking for a bad guy. Nobody does that. At least no person who's trying to protect their life. They're pointing it straight. They're keeping their finger off the trigger so they don't shoot, but they're pointing it straight. They're keeping their, they're like, think of John Wick. If you want to think of the perfect way to do it, and I'm just blown away at Keanu Reeves, his, his, his physical action, um, acting ability. You hold the pistol close to your chest and you point it away, you know, directly down line. So that if you need to pull the trigger right then and there, because they're right there, you do it. You don't hold it in a different, different direction, like holding it straight down. Like back in the eighties, the cop movies, they'd hold it straight down. Like nobody does that. They say you shouldn't because you're going to get a shot. You want to be able to take the quick first shot, but yeah, she definitely did a really good job. Yeah. Cool beans, man. Well, um, so I think that's it for Terminator two judgment day. This movie was my choice. So dust, what are we learning from next week? Uh, Let's see. What movies are out there? I don't know. What movie should we go watch? Wait, are you being serious? <laughs> I'm just <laughs> joking. <laughs> oh, my God. Sometimes so, <laughs> I can't tell by your voice. <laughs> I know. What's going I was on? Trying to, I was trying to think of a way to actually do it where it would it'd be funny at the same time. But anyways, Terminator, uh, I'm going to call it three or you know, the, 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 I don't know, Last Blood. You know, what, whatever, what's the one coming? It's Dem- Domination or something like that? Dark Fate. Dark Fate. I have no clue what that actually means because um, we saw in Terminator 2 that there's no fate. And, you know, she actually writes that in there. But now we're talking about Dark Fate. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So this good choice. I mean, we we purposely planned this ahead of time. So this is going to be a good one, two, Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Linda Hamilton punch, you know. And Linda Hamilton has to be like 70 years old. Yeah, she's getting up there. So we'll see how well she does now. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yep, so am I. Cool beans. So thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate your ears and the time that you spend with us. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Send them to watchandlearnpodcast.com slash pod 72. You can go there for yourself and leave a comment and view our life lessons. Let us know your own Monday morning quarterback. All that jazz. Alrighty then, my name is Sky. And I'm Dusty. And we will return next week with... Terminator Dark Fate.